Hello, and welcome to Earhopper Presents. Let's talk about... It's Monday, and I'm really tired. Really tired. I feel old and cranky. There's a lot of weird shit going on in the world. Uh, I'm from Pittsburgh. Sad things happened in Pittsburgh this week. But hey, it's Halloween. A time when everyone dresses up. What do you say, as a country, we dress up as a bunch of compassionate folks that stop fighting and bickering with each other and focus on the things that really matter. Things like air, water, electricity, all the things we take for granted every day when we wake up in this great nation. Anyway, okay, there's my serious intro. A little too serious, if you ask me. Um, you know, I'm not down. I'm not depressed. I'm not, um, I always have hope. I enjoy life, and I hope you're enjoying your life. How are you? How are you doing? You're listening to this podcast, and I appreciate that. I am, um, what can I talk about for a minute here? I'm, I'm just going to talk about Zen. Zen's the guy uh, that I'm going to interview here, and we talked for a while. You know how sometimes you meet people, and you feel like you have so much in common? Um, and sometimes it's almost uncanny. Well, Zen, you know, he's a musician, and he's, he's a fascinating cat. He's done this uh, really cool podcast, um, The House Show Show, and he is kind of doing this thing where he's getting musicians to tell their story uh, and also, you know, tell sing their songs. It kind of reminds me a little of Unplugged on MTV, which came out when I was, I think I was in high school. Um, but, you know, I kind of love that shit. I like to hear how the sausage is made. I like seeing process. Uh, I like making. I like people that make stuff. I like hearing why they make stuff. That's why I'm here doing this podcast. A couple things about me. The double record is finished. 22 songs. Vinyl cassette, and compact disc, as well as streaming services. We're going to be playing at Blondie's in San Francisco, Friday, November 16th, and God willing, the universe providing the foil cover that I'm trying to do on the gatefold vinyl LP jacket will look good. And that is, uh, it's kind of a crapshoot, just kind of have to hope Anyway, I hope this uh, day is peaceful for you, and I hope that listening to this is uh, something that brings you a little bit of, uh, you know, gets you to lighten up a little bit with all the struggles and and weirdness going on today. Anyway, Zen and I talk a lot about some music stuff, so if you're into music, uh, this is this is definitely a good podcast, uh, especially if you're into like 90s and 2000s, I would say 2000s rock and roll. Anyway, this is Zen. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About. I'm your host, Greg. And I am here with Zen Zenith. Yeah. Uh, Zen is, uh, I met Zen uh, at my former job. He is a kindred spirit. 
He's mm-hmm. a musician. A he has a very interesting, uh, intricate podcast that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're going to talk about podcasting and music today. Feels like that's our subject. Yeah. Uh, we just ate some tacos. Oh, so good. At the taco shop, mm-hmm. you can watch the video uh, at YouTube. Here, Hopper YouTube. So, Zen, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, we're in the garage. Yeah, it's nice in here. This is the I first. I like what you've done. Thank you. It's the first time. This garage was built in 19, I want to say 14. It's really cool. It's like a little, um, it's like a little hideaway. Yeah. It's like, feels like a treehouse, but we're on ground level. I think that it's, uh, there's a little noise outside, but even though there's just this garage door, it feels like its own little oh, yeah. area. Totally. Which is hard in a big city to find. Yeah. I was blown away. Well, like I said, when we first walked in here, I was like, I can't believe there's another car parked in here yeah. because parking in San Francisco is at a premium. But this is really cool. You have like a little bar, yeah. a little pull-down bar, yeah. and then your amp set in the corner. There's a little table that we're at to podcast. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I feel very fortunate because I have the situation where I have an extra garage. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. That old chestnut. <laughs> <laughs> Who has an extra garage in San Francisco? Yeah, that's so, crazy. That's so awesome. I think one of the things that, um, okay, so people that know people introduce people to people all the time. I used to use the word people four times. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sure you run against this where someone's like, hey, check out my band. Yeah. Or, hey, my friend does podcasting. Right. For me, there's always a cynicism when I click. I'm like, okay, let's, yeah. uh, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, but you, you sent me your music. We met through a mutual friend. And uh, wow, like really uh, smart lyrics oh, thank and you. melody and and um, like, dare I say, a little catchy. Oh. Uh, I really enjoyed everything you sent me. Thanks. Uh, and, and I guess I kind of want to start there because I know you were a musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, still a musician, but you were yeah. a practicing musician for a long time. Yeah. So tell me a little about your, I guess, your history of being a performing musician, being a songwriter. Yeah. Where did you start? How did it start? Where did I start? Uh, where did I start? Well, first off, um, thank you so much for that. That's very, very kind of you. And mm-hmm. also, um, I, I totally understand that feeling because our mutual friend was like, oh, you have to meet Greg. You, and as soon as someone says that, I go, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Why are we so jaded? <laughs> well, I grew up in it. Not to interrupt. I grew up in an era where everybody had a band. Right. You know, the 90s, oh, 2000s. Yeah. Everybody had a band. Oh, yeah. And quality control was well, and minimal. It, <laughs> and just, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm a little bit younger than you, but also grew up in San Francisco. Lots of bands. Very, very involved in the local scene. And, I mean, I don't want to, like, shit on the local scene at all. It's amazing. Yep. I, like, had such a great experience in the local scene in San Francisco. And also, there's a lot of bad bands out there. And you have, a, and especially when you're playing out a lot, you have a lot of people who are just starting who are like, hey, yeah. I've seen your name on flyers and posters. Like, can I show you my music? Yeah. And most of the time, it's not that great. <laughs> A for effort. But, yeah, people f- fucking keep at it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But, yeah, but I think that's where that kind of comes from. So did sure. you, like, let's take me back to, like, when you first started, like, performing live. Yeah. Um, was it, like, in your, like, early 20s? Like, what was the? <clears throat> yeah. Because it was here. Yeah, in the Bay Area. Yeah, tell me a little about that time period. Yeah, so um, I, I feel like I kind of got into music a little bit late. I started playing guitar when I was like 16, 17. Mm-hmm. And 
I had had no interest in music up until then. So I feel like most people, when they talk about their like musical past, it's like my parents listened to this, and I like was influenced by the music they listened to. And I, and I actually never there. There's certainly like my dad listened to a lot of Michael Jackson and Cat Stevens, and those are bands I really love still, or mm-hmm. artists I really love still. Mm-hmm. But the music that got me into playing music was like the modern music that my friends were listening to, which at the time was. Weezer, yeah, the Pixies, um, yeah. the Get Up Kids, sure. like basically like late nineties, early two thousands, totally, um, emo and po- power pop and stuff like. that. I mean, that. those are the bands that listen to the right bands. Yes, you know what right. I mean. I always totally. say that. like, like they had the right influences. <laughs> Absolutely, and, yeah, 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 right. Because you can trace all of their influences back to like amazing bands from like the late eighties or even further. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What um so so you get into music a little late and guitar was that your first instrument? Yeah, well actually bass was my first instrument. Okay, basically started playing with some friends and um, what I think really sort of basically switched over to guitar when I realized that I wanted to write my own songs and be the lead singer. Yeah, um, and just you know it's hard to write songs on bass. <laughs> um, you can do it. You can be a sting, but I'm I'm also like was never that good of a bass player, even though I really enjoyed playing it. So I jumped on guitar. And then the thing that really inspired me was just, um, we started playing out locally. And um, honestly, it was like, at that time, the big like local band that was making it was this band called The Matches. Matches. And um, the yeah, and, and that was the, I remember that was the first time I went and saw a band. They were local, they're from the East Bay. And it was just like a packed house at Slim's and everyone was going crazy for them. And um, I just remember being like having that moment of realizing, oh, shit, like you can be a local band and have a following and and ascend and make it and go on tour. Yeah. And that was like the moment where I sort of realized that doing music was the thing I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, um, so, okay, like did you have a band at that point? Like was it a, a group of comrades? Like tell me a little about like how long... Because I'm the type of person, I've been in a band, I've, I've had almost the same band, but it's been a hundred different people. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm really fortunate in that, like, I, yeah, I had a crew of people, we had, like, maybe two or three bands, but it was, like, always the same sort of, ar- different arrangements of the same, like, six people. Totally, yeah, yeah. You know, I, like, had a bunch of friends I grew up with, and then playing music in the Bay Area, and then all of us, together, went to music school down in L.A. Oh, right on. So, we all went to the Musicians Institute in Hollywood, and um what was that like what was that light bulb moment where you're all like hey let's go to school for this i think like you're the first person i've ever talked to that everyone goes to the same place we all went yeah That's it was crazy. crazy it was like five it was like five or six of us all went together down to los angeles yeah got apartments and started going to music school um it w- i think it was you know part of it like we were talking about earlier over tacos is i was homeschooled growing up yeah and all of like out of the seven people that moved down to Los Angeles, six of them were also homeschooled. Wow. And so we were like, that's how we met. We were yeah. all part of the same like homeschool community and started like playing music together. And um we just like uh we would like we go to shows together, went and saw the matches, but then we'd like also go see other bands in town, like Cursive and Piebald. Yeah. And like Bright Eyes. Wow, and, like, you're really throwing the names out. Yeah, we were just like we were just Piebald. like at, yeah. Wow. Love Piebald. Yeah. We were at shows all the time, and pop punk was really big yeah. in, like, the South Bay at that time. Get Up was, Kids? Were they big out there? Oh, here? yeah. Get Up Kids was, like, one Okay. Of yeah. Yeah. So get Dismemberment up, Plan? Were you into them? I, I'm trying to think of that time yeah, period. Yeah, yeah. Dismemberment Plan was definitely... I mean, other bands from that time period were, like, Newfound Glory. Yeah. Um, 
uh, yeah, I said cursive already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, all the Saddle Creek bands. And, and, and... Uh, was was Pinback? Were they oh. big here? Because they're yes. from here, right? Um, I don't think Pinback is. I don't know if they're a Bay Area band or not. But I love Pinback. Yeah. Big influence, actually. Rob Crow, is that his name? The guy. Yeah. yeah. Love them. Weird yeah. grooves and guitar parts. He's done a lot. Of, talk about someone who's done a lot of shit. That guy. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. Anyway, but I think, but partially, I think because we were all homeschooled uh, and we all had like sort of parents who were like, follow your dreams. Yeah. Like, we want you to like lead your own life. I think that led us down the creative path. And then I think like, honestly, like part of why we all liked doing music was the camaraderie. The part, one of the reasons I love playing music is that part of the requirement to play music is to play with other people. Right. And social. It's so fun. Interactive. And especially, I would think, uh, you're homeschooled, yeah. so you're not getting that sort of, like, mm. high school chummy experience, so maybe... Definitely got that through music. Yeah, yeah, like, maybe forming a band is, like, your gang that you would have had if you would have been in the locker room at school. Absolutely, I think yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah, so all went to L.A. together, and um, did school there for a year, and then came back to the Bay, and uh, started my... The band that I was primarily playing with in the Bay Area was a band called Please Do Not Fight, and did that for seven years after wow. music school. So. so are you, so you're playing in the band. Are you doing like day jobs? Like what's your. Yeah. So when I was doing Please Not Fight, um, my day job ever since music, well, not ever since music school, has recently, more recently changed. But for the decade following music school, my my main career was teaching music. Got it. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, it was really fun. Like to young, like younger people or adults? Yeah. Or all over the map? All like, over the map. One-on-one lessons. Um, I did some high school uh, and middle school group guitar classes mm-hmm. and like music classes and rock camps. Mm-hmm. Um, but predominantly one-on-one lessons with anyone from eight-year-old up to like 50, 60-year-old. Wow. Yeah. How did you feel as someone who went to music school? I read this really interesting interview with Steve Miller. Mm. Steve Miller, another Bay Area person. Yep. That uh, he talked to a guy about the fact that he wasn't schooled, mm. that he learned was self-taught, and he went to this like teacher, mm. and he was like, "I want to learn." And the guy's like, "Listen, like you know everything you need to know, right? And if if you come in here, you're gonna learn a bunch of analytical slash historical slash notative. Yeah, you're gonna learn about things that you're. It's probably you don't need it." Yeah. Because you're at that stage. I mean, this is when he was in his middle, like middle age. Yeah, yeah. He had his hits and stuff. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, you're coming in, you're going to music school, you're already, I assume you're already writing songs, mm-hmm. you're already playing the instrument. Yeah. What did you get out of it? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Like just as a creative person that's already yeah. kind of on the path. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that there's like, well, okay, for me personally, I got out of it um, structure and discipline because I, like, I loved playing music. But I am not a very structured and disciplined person. And like just in general in life. Yeah, in general in <laughs> life. And and like and and so like having classes and a schedule and like really like, hey, clear don't you're not doing anything else. Right. All you can work on is guitar. Yeah. Like that's all you're gonna do. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think it upped my for me personally, it upped my guitar playing because yeah. of that. Um and then the other main thing, honestly, was the networking. Like, the main thing about going to that school that I got out of it was the the meeting other people that did music professionally. I'll bet. And, like, understanding, oh, that's how you do it. Yeah. You know? Well, especially L.A. Yeah. I mean, L.A. is one of the few places that I feel like there is this sort of scene of people that are... Oh, yeah eking it out Mm -hmm. um what sort of so are you playing live during the time you're in school 
Like, no. Are you doing shows or are you just, everyone's focused head Everyone's down? just focused on school. I mean, you know, it was a type of school where it was like, you know, you're all, it's, it, the Musicians Institute is a um, uh, sort of like a vocational school. So it's very immersive when you're there. Mm. So it's like, you, you know, I would get up at 530 and like go with my crew to school so we could practice for two hours before the classes wild, started. Wild. And then class would start and then a lot of times there were like evening workshops and like yeah. you, songs you had to prepare for classes and stuff like that. So it's like you really didn't have time to do much else. Yeah. That being said, the school did encourage playing out because sure. that's the whole point. It's music. Right, right, play right. out. Um, but um, yeah, for me, I just really noticed the grindstone while I was there and worked on music. Did you ever have a point where you're like, it was like homework and you didn't want to do it? I, I asked that because music, for me, yeah. I've never studied it, really. Yeah. I mean, I did the high school and, you know, I was a trombone mm-hmm. player. But guitar and songwriting, it was something that I said, this is just, I'm going to just do this. Yeah. And there's no rules, even though yeah. all my songs are terribly formulatic. <laughs> uh, and that's why I was always, I for me, I was like, I'm yeah. scared to take a lesson or I'm scared to mm. for someone to say, this is how you do it. Mm. So I was just curious if you ever had that moment. Yeah, and I'm realizing now that you're saying that they didn't really answer your question, the first question. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> okay, so, so it's yeah, all good. To totally answer that question, um, yeah, because I think it is, you know, the way, so the way I would, so first off, I do think I got something out of learning all the theory and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it certainly helped me be a better music teacher. Um, I don't know that I needed to know half of what I learned to be the type got of it. musician I want to be. Right. That's a big qualifier i think is what type of musician do you want to be if you want to be a jazz musician yeah you have to learn that shit yeah there's like no way not to learn that shit yeah right yeah um but if you're like a rock and roll musician right you can kind of get away with like feel and like and like you know steve miller great example like yeah. phenomenal musician he doesn't need to take lessons right right like right. he doesn't need he's just he's intuited it yeah um but i think you know the way i think about like someone who already knows an instrument taking lessons that thing you're talking about about like where maybe you take lessons and it makes you worse mm-hmm. because you suddenly have all these like other things you have to think about that you're not used to thinking about mm-hmm. um the way i think about it is it's i think that's a problem singers have a lot and sure. whenever people want to take vocal lessons i always say you know the problem with taking vocal lessons is that you always get worse before you get better mm. because half of learning to sing is unlearning bad habits yeah. you formed from talking sure. and like doing karaoke or whatever. Right. We all talk, we use our voices all the time. So when you finally have to like work on it, yeah. there's a period of like you actually getting worse because yeah. you've suddenly, oh shit, like I breathe wrong and I like pronounce things wrong. And I have to like unlearn all these bad habits. So I think when you're someone who's been playing guitar for a while and you go in to try to like learn theory and all that stuff, it's like, yeah, like there's a probably a, period where you like are going to be a worse musician while you're like because yeah. suddenly you're like overthinking so you're like, like breaking oh, shit. Stuff. you're breaking it uh, down you, yeah you're breaking it down and then you know the whole thing about like oh if i know music theory is that somehow a restriction i think there's like you know i think the key to being a really phenomenal musician is you learn all the stuff and then you learn how to forget all the stuff mm-hmm. and it's like so you have the toolbox there yeah but you're not reliant on the toolbox. Mm-hmm. You're not like, you're not like, oh, I have to play this note because music theory dictates I play this note. Right. You can, and right. you know how to get it if you need it. Right. But you also have the ability to like, ignore it. 
Yeah. So like, I think that, and I think that's a really hard, because I think there are lots of people who go to music school and get stuck in like, yeah. you know, you can always tell a musician who's just been to music school. Yeah. Like you're like, you go see a band and they're like doing all the like time signature yeah, changes like, and it's like, oh, pentatonic scale licks. And yeah. you're like, oh, you just came from music school last month. Yeah. There's a like, weird, <laughs> there is a weird, like, I don't want to say clinical, but there's like a weird, yeah. uh, it's, it's, uh, sanitized a little bit. Yeah. It lacks a little bit of, I think that's when I was attracted to being in rock bands, uh, cause I, I am a little older than you. It was like, yeah. you know, the mid nineties. And it was like, there were a lot of people who didn't know how to play their instruments. Right. And part of that was what made it so exciting. Yeah. You know, I grew up in Pittsburgh and there was like punk bands happening. Yeah. When they did odd time signatures, it was because someone fucked up. It wasn't because right. someone's like, let's throw yeah. a seven, eight in here. You know, it was yeah. just because someone hit the wrong beat and they're like, oh, we should keep doing that. Yeah. No, I mean, that's one of the incredibly powerful things about music and specifically punk and folk. Yeah. Because punk and folk is like, you learn four, you know, with punk is like, you learn the power chord shape. You can write and play yeah. endless punk songs. Endless. You know, um, with folk, it's like you learn the six open chords. Yeah. Endless folk songs. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like th- that's amazing. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's I mean, a lot of times when I teach, those are the things I start with because I think those are the really inspirational things. Yeah. yeah. And I also think like learning covers when you're new, it's like you're you're cheating in some weird way. Like I remember mm. when I picked up the guitar and I like the first I don't know. I don't even remember the first song I learned. It might have been like Panama by Van Halen mm-hmm. or something along those lines. You really got me. Something simple. Yeah. And I just remember feeling like, oh, shit. Like, I can play along with this song. Yeah. Like, it's such a feeling of empowerment that you, right. on some level, you're kind of equal yeah. in that moment. Because I could do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, so you're giving lessons. <coughs> and are you like, is it one of those things where you're like seeing progress with people yeah. and like. You're moving them through the way they need to be moved through. Yeah. Like how, like what was your process? I mean, do you still do it? I I did it up until, this is the first year I haven't had a student. Got it. it. Like in LA, um, I I just moved back from LA um, about 10 months ago. And, um, you know, in LA I wasn't doing teaching full time, but I had always had at least one or two students I held on to. Got it. So this is the first year that I haven't had any students. Um, I want to answer that question, but I actually want to, Go back real quick to something yeah, yeah. you just said. Oh, what were you saying? Dang it. There's, oh, there's the part about learning covers. Oh, so true. Yeah. Um, so inspirational to like, and I think that's one of the strengths of guitar versus yeah. other instruments is like to be a good piano player, yeah. you have to do a lot of training before anything you play sounds remotely like a song. Right. Um, and same with like violin, like all those instruments is like there's a, there's uh barrier to entry yeah um whereas with guitar it's like once you can play a couple chords you can play a lot of songs you just feel empowered very quickly yeah and i actually think that there is that is that methodology of teaching is possible with other instruments as well yeah but i think a lot of times with other instruments people get really stuck in uh classical ways of teaching and so sure you know it's like oh no you can't learn to play a pop song until you learn to play all your scales yeah it's like no just teach the kids the pop song right right. Uh, like, like the get them excited yeah. yeah um so anyway um as far as teaching goes um my methodology with teaching you know i'm like i said i was a homeschooler yeah and i like really value my upbringing as a homeschooler and really specifically i was actually what's called an unschooler which is um, an unschooler is someone who is homeschooled, but there's no curriculum. Oh, so it's completely self-directed. Like by your parents, by by you? me. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> so that happens from a very young age. Like how how yeah. old are you? This is happening like my whole five, life. six. Yeah, I was unschooled my whole life up until I went to music school. Um, and basically what it means is, I mean, it's different for everyone yeah. by definition. But for me, it was my parents, my parents would introduce me to stuff. Yeah. And they'd be like, hey, check this out. And we had like, my dad is a really smart guy. He yeah. had a PhD in computer science. So he would like, we had like an Encyclopedia Britannica at home. And and he'd, he'd be like, let's check this. Like, let's learn about this today. And they'd, they, so they expose us to stuff yeah but if we weren't interested they weren't going to like force us or make yeah. us do tests and so it was all and and you know and it was also the kind of thing where if we expressed interest in something they'd be like great let's build on that let's get you lessons in that thing let's da 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 yeah so um i like really appreciate that and i like believe in that teaching methodology for a lot of people and um not everyone but the the thing i think that's really important about being a teacher is identifying um how the person you're working with learns. Right. So it like totally depends on the person you're working with. Yeah. So, you know, I would have some people who came from a schooling background yeah. and it's like, oh, you're going to need me to give you a book. Yeah, you want and the book. we're going to need to work through the book. <laughs> right. That's the only way you're going to learn because right. you, that's how you've been trained to learn. Right. Um, and then there are other people who it's like, oh no, we just need to play pop songs yeah. because you need to get inspired and then we'll work on the other stuff It's later. like Dead Poets Society. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you just, you just sort of, you know, I think I think being a, a lot of being a good teacher is just being able to figure that part out. Yeah. It's like what's going to work for this person I'm working with. And how did you, why do you think you gravitated towards that? Was it like a like necessity or was it like you felt <laughs> compelled to be like, oh, I I'm this is something I'm good at. Like I can maybe it was the unschooling thing. Like you just felt. Yeah. Like, I, well, I'm yeah. I mean, because of unschooling, I'm pretty passionate about education. Yeah. And um I have, um, I like, you know, there's lots of like problems in the world. And as I've heard, as we, we've, yeah. Have you heard about this, Greg? I mean, there's been, do you there's, know about the problems? There's some problems happening. There's, there's some things we there, might have to pay attention yeah. to. Yeah. So you might have heard about this, but so there's some problems in the world. And, and what I just like, you know, a lot of times I think about like, Okay, because you can't deal with everything in the world all at once, and so sometimes I'm like, okay, what if I had to pick one thing? Yeah, like what's the one th- cause I would champion for? That I think would have the most impact, and like the truth, when I analyze and get to the root cause of every problem, it is almost always education. Like it's almost always like the way people are educated. Yeah, and so in that way, I feel very strongly about education. Yeah. So so it's exciting to me. I mean, I, you know, there's also a little bit of me that's like, oh, it's music adjacent. Um, right, right. and so like, I have a little bit of a love hate relationship with it. Cause sure. I, I love education. I love teaching, but really I wanted to do music. Sure. And so, but, um, yeah, that's what gravitated me towards it. It was something I really loved doing. And, um, I, 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 I don't think my teaching days are entirely numbered. I could sure. see coming back to it. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to something you just said, which is, you know, I, my personal struggle has been that I have been a musician mm-hmm. for Ever. Yep. And I've never, I've always felt like I have to supplement. Right. Being the artist, being the creator, uh, with a system that is providing income. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that, you know, talking to you about like how you were raised, like, wow, you know, let's wave that magic wand and like, how do we bring uh, value to art in a way that makes people want to pursue it more? Yeah. Because, you know, it's like that 
Onion article that's hilarious and sad where it's like, man, what is it? He like, man dreams of his, like, thing he wants to do and does it on nights and weekends for the rest yeah. of his life. Yeah. You know, or whatever. I'm yeah. totally paraphrasing that. <laughs> I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I... There's there's parts of the struggle that I enjoy. Like, I enjoy yeah. the struggle of, like, friends being like, how do you put out so much music? How do you get yeah. so much stuff done? And I'm right. like, anyone can do it. You just have to make the decision yeah. that, um, especially when I have friends that are, like, have for years, like, they struggle to be musicians full time. Yeah. And then they have this, like, cutoff point, And then they're, like, you know, working in an office for well, the not, first time. I'm a little and... bit that person, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not entirely, but I, yeah, I know I, exactly what you're talking about, and I, I fell into that trap a little bit, but go, go on. So, okay, so we can relate on that level yeah, because, yeah. Uh, again, I'm a little older. I think when I was living in New York City, yeah, uh, the idea of the hustle in New York. Yeah, the hustle. Just, everyone does it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So you're doing, you know, you're a bartender, you're a graphic designer, you're a musician or an actor. Yeah. You know, you're doing all these things, and depending on the time of day someone asks you what you do, you're going to say one. Or that's what you're totally. doing. Totally. Um, right? So, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. well, here's, I'm kind of this and I'm kind of that. Yeah. Um, which is funny because when I start thinking about where we are in society where everyone seems to have to uh, make a decision about their identity politics. Right. Like, okay, are you a Democrat or Republican? Are you this or right. that? It's like, why do people, why? Why do well, we have to be that way? And it's ironic because oh, our... I took a huge stretch there, but... No, I loved it. It was it's great. Just, it's it's yeah. ironic because... Um, are you know you're right people are very like black and white one or two red or blue right but like the truth of our workforce mm -hmm. is that it's very beneficial to be adaptable yeah like the way things are like it's not like our grandparents where like you could specialize in one thing and that's what you did the rest of your life right. it's like industries are going to fucking disappear in like 10 years yeah. and everyone needs to be ready to like yeah. change what they do. Yeah. I you uh, know? <laughs> so when I, when I got out here to California and started working in tech, I had a, I had a um, friend that came to visit me. Yeah. Uh, a great friend, uh, a great, smart, funny friend. And we went out to dinner and she's like, okay, if all the electricity goes off tomorrow, who will survive at Facebook? Right. Like the people that are working there. How many of your coworkers <laughs> will be able to scrounge for food or yeah. cook a meal yeah. or make some shit with their hands? And it's kind of true. That's kind of where we are. Yeah, where yeah. people are getting rewarded for these weird esoteric abilities that you need electricity and a computer for. <laughs> That's you true. Know? Which is kind of wild. It is wild, actually. And like, make America great again. Like, terrible phrase. But, hey, maybe make some shit with your hands again. You know? <laughs> Go home and make dinner tonight. Yeah. Anyway. Word. What, what do you make with your hands? What are some things you do with your hands? I love to cook. I'm a yeah. big cook. Um, I do, you know, I record music. Uh, some of my records, I play all the instruments. Mm. Uh, I'll show you my yeah. analog studio. I'm excited to see it. Downstairs when we're done here. It's going to be a treat. Um, but I love, I mean, I think, like, guitar playing is a great example. Like, yeah. you have this physical thing right. that you're creating with. Yeah. Um, and I that, to me, when I talk to people about what they do and... That when I talk to people that only make stuff in software, let's say, yeah, they crave like some of them become analog photographers, or some of them get into bicycles. Yeah, you know, that's what I think about a lot of my designer friends, and I think there is a real uh, that to me is the thing that's it's starting to be missing. I mean, we look at the infrastructure of this country. Yeah, like why don't people say, hey, the bridge in town? 
<laughs> is falling down. Yeah, yeah. Let's get some people together and fix it. Right. Like, no one wants to do that shit. Yeah, and also no one wants to pay the taxes to make anyone else do it either. Right. So, awesome. It's, but it's, <laughs> again, this yeah. probably goes back to education. Like, oh, yeah. you should think, right. uh, I drive on this bridge every day to work and no one's fixing it. Yeah, you should care about it at least a bit. Right, right. <laughs> Right. Okay, so we're getting way off. Well, we're not. It's fine. No, it's good. What? I, wanna, I love a tangent. Yes. I want to <laughs> fast forward because one of the things I want to talk about is your podcast. Right. Um, which you started in L.A. Yes, I did start the podcast in L.A. Yeah. I, I, I have. So I actually have. I've had a couple of podcasts over the last five years. And I started podcasting before I left San Francisco. So so my first podcast launched here. Yeah. But yeah, in L.A. was when I got real serious about my Current podcast. Yeah, let's talk. Can we talk a little about the house show? I don't, show? I don't know about the house show show. Yeah, but what like what was your first? Like, tell me a little yeah. about well, how. Well, so getting back to your point about like having a time limit on music, yeah. I kind of foolishly did that where I was like, I better make it by the time I'm thirty, make which it. was I love that so stupid. Let's make it. I really regret that because you know, even though I like wasn't super like serious about holding on to that, I like told it to myself so much that when I hit thirty, I was like, fuck. Yeah, you know, which was which was a bummer. So I had I had like a little bit of a falling out with music when I turned thirty. Um, Interesting. Yeah, w- w- yeah. Me and music broke up for a little while. We're we're back together now. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, during that time, I I was like, fuck, I'm just so you know. I was also teaching a lot. Like I was teaching like thirty students. I taught like six a days a week, yeah. and I was just like, my ears were tired of hearing music. And sure. I and so I got really into podcasts, yeah. and I had like a long commute too, so it was like perfect. And I like you know when the first podcast came out, I was like, "This is awesome!" Yeah, um, because I because I first off I felt like suddenly my commute was productive because I yeah. could like learn stuff totally. while I was there, and then also it was like such a pure way to connect with people, yeah. like that you really feel like you're connecting with the the podcasters, and like if you find the right personalities that you jive with, it's yeah. like. So interesting just to hear them talk. It's like you're hanging out in a room with friends. Yeah. You know, which I really love. And yeah. then, um, so yeah, just loved podcasting and decided to give it a shot. And my first podcast was actually with one of my best friends, Chelsea. She's actually the one that lives next to Taco Shop, where got we it. just were. Got it, got it, got it. Um, and her and I started a Doctor Who podcast. No way. <laughs> Nerd alert. Yeah, where we, uh, where we talked about new or in past Doctor Who episodes um it was super fun um but there's like 200 million doctor who podcasts i was gonna say so how many n- other ones were there <laughs> so no one ever listened <laughs> um so eventually we stopped just even though it was really fun and then i moved to la so we were like okay well we have to stop um yeah and then so i was i'd been kicking around this idea for a while and like it's sort of this actually sort of the the other thing that i like to think about a lot is um doing uh live music in different formats yeah like, that's something that's really, really interesting to me. And so I had this idea kicking around for a while of doing a, a, a live, like, basically, like, a concert podcast hybrid yeah. where uh, an artist would come out, play some songs so that the audience could get to know the artist, yeah. and then have an interview with the artist, Great. and then have an opportunity for the audience to have a Q&A with them as well, yeah. and then have them play another song. So, like, sort of, like, you both get, like, oh, I heard their music then I got to talk to them and ask questions about their music. Yeah. And now I know a little bit more about them. I get to hear some more of their music in a different context. And so yeah. that. Which be- is so smart, dude. Like, it's Thanks. so like, uh, it sounds simple, 
but in a way, you're you're really kind of bridging a gap that people need. I almost feel like they need mm. to be bridged right now. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like people consistently know. There was a time when no one knew how art was made. They just didn't know. Yeah. Like I would put on a record. Right. When I was twelve, and whole lot of love came on. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is that sound? I don't know what that sound is. <laughs> yeah. You know. And now it's like there's the making of, there's the YouTube video yeah. of how it was made. You know, it's like so. I think doing this is like it. It kind of plays to all that, which I think is, yeah. is so cool. Yeah, it was it was it, it was really fun, and so that yeah that was the seed, and uh, and then what happened was my buddy Jake, um, he heard I wanted to do this and reached out to me. He's like, hey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast network. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to launch your podcast on my network and maybe help me with the network too? And I said, yeah, great. And um, so we launched the House Show Show, my podcast on his network. Uh, Dragon Wagon Radio, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I've helped produce and write songs for a couple of the other podcasts on the network. And awesome. Jake's an awesome guy. He's the producer of my podcast, and um, yeah, it's been super fun. We've we've done 38 episodes. We're actually taking a break right now because I'm working on some um, other music projects cool. for the first time in a little while. Great. But we're going to come back in 2019. Um, but we've done 38 episodes. That's um, great. Release dude. them every two weeks. Yeah. For a long time, so yeah. How I'm gonna now I'm gonna get selfish because yeah. I you know I do this podcast. Yeah, which is great. It's great, but it's like well, I took a month off. I took a week off. Right. What? How do you? Mm. How do you stay the course? Uh, saying I have the schedule that I have to stick to. Yeah. I have to find another artist. I have to find another whatever. Like, how do you get all that stuff? <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. I, I'm like I'm not just asking like as like yeah. tell the audience I'm asking like I don't know how to do it. Yeah. I, so <clears throat> so one th- the thing that helped me most honestly was having Jake on my side. Mm-hmm. Um like because the awesome thing it, with him producing the podcast is that he also produced the live taping of it. So he'd engineer it. Yeah. And he'd also we did it in his space in his apartment. Yeah, I was curious about that. Yeah, I yeah. figured there was that partnership is probably super important. So important because it may like I still all did all the booking and the editing. Yeah. But the fact that I could show up to those shows and he had basically taken care of everything. Yeah. Was like such a load off of my back. Totally. And like and I've and I've done a couple of episodes of the podcast where I've handled everything mm-hmm. and it's a nightmare. It's so stressful. It's just, I think when you're dealing with that many logistics, it's hard it, to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially if you're the host and you're like trying to like yeah. you know get, yeah. get this thing out like the essence out yeah. yeah so jake really enabled me to be the host yeah um which was really fantastic um and then i think the other part is like i think that well one i think it's really important to have a set schedule yeah um because i think as a listener you need your expectations have to be set and then yeah. met yeah. um whether that's we do it monthly yeah. whether that's we're gonna do 10 episodes once a week, and then there's going to be a long, we're going to do seasons. Yeah. You know, whatever the format is, establish it. And, totally. and cause I think that's how you build listenership. Agreed, yeah. Um, and so, but I also think set the format to be whatever fits your lifestyle. Yeah. That was the other thing for me is that's why, you know, we did, the, we do the house show show, the house show show releases every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, at each taping, I record two artists. Great. Which means that I only have to do a live show once a month. Yeah. So committing to do a live show once a month Super. in like an apartment, like there's and also there's no pressure to have like draw. Like it's fine if there's like six or eight people there. Yeah. And so um, the format's flexible. The format's really flexible super and low smart. pressure. Yeah. And smart. and I can I can commit to doing a show once a month. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, so yeah. w- when it's just that, it's doable. Yeah. So I, that was the key, I think, for me was figuring out how do I put this into a format where it isn't going to feel like a pain in the ass, basically. Totally. totally. <laughs> yeah. What's uh, anything that you, like, kind of learned about yourself doing this? Because you did it in a couple of years, I would think, right? Yeah. Then a year and a half. Two, yeah. Um, I say... Especially as a musician. Yeah. Because like, you're... I was a music writer for years and there was a part of me that was like, I just want to play, but I love talking to musicians. So it worked. You know what I mean? So I have exactly the same problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like, yeah. I mean, part of the reason I'm taking a break from it right now is to work on my own music for exactly that reason. Because it's like, I I do have this tent. I I love supporting other musicians And, but I also think I have this tendency to run away from my own music mm. by doing, like I said, music adjacent stuff again, yeah. where it's like, you know, my, my friend calls it dream ad- adjacent, where you, right. which is like really sad thing, but it's like, yeah. but it's yeah, like, you know, it's that. like, cause yeah. sometimes you're like, oh, I'm sort of doing the thing I set out to do. Yeah. I'm not really. And, and so, um, yeah, yeah, I have this sense of, so I'm trying to lean more into that to like focusing back on yeah. my own music. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I mean, what I learned is that there's some fucking incredible musicians out there. There's some incredible talent that, you know, we were talking earlier about getting demos from people and it not being good. There's yeah. also so much music that's amazing so that no one ever hears about. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's really it, I the other thing I learned is I just love talking to people. It's really Same. fun. <laughs> Same. I love talking about craft. I love talking. Yeah. About, like I love those shows where it's like how people make shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I was on a plane coming back from uh, the East Coast a couple weeks ago, and it was a Virgin plane, but it was Alaska. Yeah, so I they, did that. And they still that have happened. like the red screen and the yeah. content. And there was just this little uh, like eight minute TV show by these two guys. Yeah. In New York, and they're like butchers, and they're going to all these butcheries. And they're just talking about meat and talking about how to cure meat and stuff. Yeah. And I probably, in my, I don't think I care that much about that. Yeah. But just seeing this passion and hearing them talk about it and be knowledgeable about it. Yeah. Again, doing this thing with their hands that they care about. Yeah. Like, I can I can watch that stuff for days. Yeah. Like, there's very few topics I think I wouldn't be interested in yeah. from that angle. Do you have, do you have a, like musician or um, maybe not a musician like podcast or something where it's like a hidden you feel like it's a hidden gem where you like know about it and no one else knows about it and you think it's amazing it's a good question I there's this guy Dean Del Rey that does mm-hmm. a podcast yeah and he's he's in his late 40s uh-huh. and he was trying to be a musician for years and he has this podcast and he at some point kind of Decided to be a stand-up comedian instead. Interesting. And he's actually really funny. I ended up going awesome. to see him at the comedy or Cobbs. Cobbs, great, uh, love Cobbs. A couple months ago. Yeah. But he has this podcast, and it's this weird mix of like uh, him interviewing like the drummer from like Megadeth in one episode, uh-huh. and then like Henry Rollins in another cool. episode. And he's talking with them about you know just it's mostly just people that just love music. Right. Um, but like a friend turned me on to him and it's like, he's like 400 episodes in, you know, he's like Mark Maron. Like yeah. I got into Mark Maron like less than a year ago and I'm like, geez, this guy's <laughs> at it. Yeah. You know? And I think when I think about, you know, 
like making your art and your craft. Yeah. Like I've put out like 35 records at this point. And to like tomorrow someone will meet me and be like, I really <clears> like that song you just did. Yeah. And have no idea that since, you know, 2002, uh, I've put out at least one record a year. Yeah. Like no one would know. And so I think one of the beauties of this content rich thing we have yeah. is anyone can come at you from any angle. Yeah. And, and they can get as immersive or as, selective as they want yeah. with whatever you're doing. Yeah. So that's the thing that keeps me like, you're talking about like, I needed to move away from that. Like I have those moments all the time. Yeah. And then I'm like, actually when I have that moment, I just got to make more stuff. Yeah. I either have to write another song. I have to do another podcast. I have to yeah. Book. I just have to make more stuff. Embrace the, embrace the diversity. Embrace the making. Because yeah. Because yeah. the making is the only thing that really is consistent. Yeah. Like the, the, it's a good point. The income's not consistent. The accolades won't be consistent. Yeah. The, 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 uh, what's the word on the feedback that you want to get. Yeah. You know, even live shows, like I'm so done playing live right now. Like I had a show, I had two shows this week. Uh -huh. I played Wednesday night and I was like, my wife was like, you were so self-deprecating on stage. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I had had it. I'm right. like, I just, it was Why? a moment. I don't know. I just got <laughs> there and I was like, I yeah. had that like, to quote Matthew Sweet, I was sick of myself, uh -huh. you know, and I'm just like up there with my guitar. I'm like, why the fuck am I asking these people to pay attention to me? <laughs> you know, and that happens. Those yeah. moments happen. Oh, yeah. And the more you do it, the more you're going to either recognize that it's just a moment. Yeah. Or one of them is going to like, all of a sudden you're like, I need to take a break. Derail you. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. So, okay. Can I get back into the logistics a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're doing all these, you, you say, fuck it, we're going to do this podcast. Yeah, yeah. What is like, uh the first moment where you're like, oh shit, this isn't something I thought about that we would have to do to make this happen. <clears throat> like I would assume bands would be pretty excited to do it. Mm -hmm. But I also know bands are flaky people. Yeah, I mean, finding bands, you know, sometimes it felt scary, but for the most part, I, I you know, because I started in LA, there's mm -hmm. so many bands. Mm -hmm. So that that made it a lot easier. Like hungry bands too. Yeah. Like. Um, Oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm just curious. Yeah, I don't know that there was anything that, like, I really ran into. Where I was like, oh, shit, I don't know how to do this. I, You know, part of it, I think partially because I've, everything we did, I have experience doing. Yeah. So it was like, I've done podcasts before. I know how to edit a podcast. Yep. I knew what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, I have, uh, we, I had, like I have a history of putting together uh, eclectic live shows yeah. where it's like, I've done like, I, we had, like, there's a rock concert series I used to run in San Jose where we do like different themes every time there was like a, how, like a, a open mic I used to host. Like I'm yeah. very used to being the MC yeah. and like d doing all of that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm glad that, you know, I got to get, you know, doing the Dr. Who podcast, I got to get over, saying like and um all the time i still do it sometimes but i'm so much better that's why i lean away from the mic now because yeah. if not i get excited and i'm just like um <laughs> and you like literally i'm like i can hear myself you know so like some of the yeah i mean i still do some of that stupid shit sure. but um but no i i mean not, not to make it sound like we were awesome and everything was perfect yeah. but um yeah for the most part when when i decided to do it i was like oh i know how to do all this yeah it's gonna be okay yeah. yeah, and I, I mean, that's got to be a great feeling. Yeah. Now, let's go to the other mm, side of that, mm -hmm. which is audience. Mm. Like, how do you find your audience? How do you yeah. build your audience? How do you feel like uh, 
there's a there's an attention span for it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, Greg, that is one of the challenges. That's something that I haven't figured out yet. I mean, actually, now that you say that, I think audience is the biggest barrier. Yeah. Um, I think that, I mean, it's a general truth that people don't value music as much as they value other forms of arts sure. in terms of like, you know, people sort of view it as like a, they, it's like water running at your house. Like people just expect to turn on the faucet and it's there. Yep. Um, people, well, people it value it, yep. but it's not like something you pay for. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and um, the, uh, we have, you know, the thing, I, the thing that's the most challenging is that the live shows are amazing. They're yeah. incredible. Every time we have one, everyone who was there is like, that was magical. Yeah. Like, I wish other people had been here. Like, yeah. You could feel it in the room. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those audiences we mostly got from, we, we have a couple of regulars, but mostly it's like fans of the art. I always tell the artists, don't stress about draw, but bring like four or five of your closest fans. Yeah. Because they're the people that are going to really appreciate it and get behind it. Absolutely. Um, and so it's always really magical. But then for the podcast, it's just hard to get people to listen to a music podcast. Yep. And I mean, even me. I listen yep. to Song Exploder, which is an amazing podcast. Yeah, I think uh, I've listened to that one. It's is that the one where they kind of break down so great, yeah, different albums and stuff. Yes, yeah, I think I've so great. Um, and um, but good name, great name, Song Exploder, so good. Um, but other than Song Exploder, I don't really listen to other music podcasts that much. And yeah. I th- and I think yeah, it's just a, there's a there's something. Yeah, there's just something about getting people to listen to music podcasts that's really tough. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I, I, it's weird because it's like, I think also it's just like comes down to taste because yeah. it's like the problem with doing a music podcast is that the people who come on, you just might not like their music. Yeah. W- regardless of whether they're good or not. Right. And so it's like you're, you can't listen consistently and expect to necessarily enjoy it every time. Right. Right. And that's really hard. Right. Well, <laughs> You know, it's kind of like I think about some of the great indie labels of the 90s, yeah. like Touch and Go and Matador. And and um, these are labels that you kind of knew what you were going to get. Yeah. And I think a good podcast uh, kind of does that no matter what. Right. It's your, you're the curator. Right. And people develop a trust with you. Yeah. The people listening need to become fans of the podcast, right. not the artists that are on the podcast. Absolutely. And that's really hard. I mean, even with Song Exploder, I'll skip episodes if I don't like the yeah. artists. Sure. You know, and it's just, I think with music, that's just a very real challenge when yeah. trying to curate something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I would imagine, like, talk, getting back to, like, the fact you took a break. Yeah. Like, I kind of go through these phases, too, where I'm, I'm sort of, I'm leaning in creatively on this one side. Yeah. And it, in some ways, uh, like, I get sick of it, you know, on yeah. some level, or... I'm learning things that I can apply in this other space. Yeah. That, that it gets me excited over here. Yeah. Um, and it's like we talked about earlier. It's like, I'm now like, you're combining these things and you're making this great podcast while you're in LA yeah. and you're like, I got this. And part of the reason you got this is because it has all these elements of, of things you've done. Yeah. And like, I've started my own business and I'm doing the same thing. I'm like, wait a minute. What's the one thing I haven't done with all these skills I have? Try to make some real money. Yeah. So I think when you have those <clears throat> light bulb moments of like, all I really have to do is, like, stop being my own, like, worst editor. Stop getting in my way. Yeah, get in your, get, get out of your yeah. own way. Yeah. Um, but 
But I think that's with anything. Like, I think that uh, songwriting. Like, I, I did this double record. I spent a year doing a double record. That's amazing. Recorded 28 songs. I'm putting 22 of them out. I'm doing a double vinyl. Yeah. Uh, and I said to my wife, I'm not going to record anything musical for the next year. And she laughed. And she said, that's not true. <laughs> she said, that's like, she that's like the day after drinking. Like, uh, I'm never drinking again. I'm never again. drinking again. Like, yeah, right. But it's, it's kind of like when you have, you set up these goals for yourself and then you're like, okay, I can, this is done. I can take yeah. that energy and put it into another space. So, uh, not to, I mean, it sounds like you might not want to dive into it, but like, what's the thing that oh. like you're thinking about? Like, what's the next, like, oh. is it just songwriting? Is it like just getting back yeah. in touch? Like. I'll dive into anything. Okay. First off. Well, I Don't know. be afraid. I'm not. I'm just curious. Like you're yeah. saying, you're taking a break. Which to me, when you see, I know you a little bit because I know me. <laughs> and if you're saying you're taking a break from one thing, like what's this? What, yeah, like, yeah. So where are you putting that in. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, what I am finding, and I, I, I actually kind of want to ask you some questions too. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer that, um, yeah, I'm. I, I basically am trying to. I, you know, I'm. I'm working a. Uh, muggle job, as I like to say. <laughs> Can you define that a little bit? I'm very curious about that phrase. Well, there's like this world of like creative people, yep. and very often people who have a, who work in a creative space, whether it's writing or acting or music. Uh, everyone has to have a day job, right? Yeah. But people tend to, when you're in a creative space, you gravitate towards sort of these freelancey mm-hmm. uh, day jobs that are very flexible. So if you suddenly have to go on tour, you can. Yeah, if yeah, you yeah. Like, you know, and all this stuff. And right now I'm working um, uh, a nine to five. Sure. Right? And so when I say muggle job, I just mean that basically. And I mean that like I'm working in nine to five and I'm like doing a job where I'm making some money and that's awesome. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, there's also a way where that enables me to make my art. Sure. Right? Um, but um, but it also uh, is exhausting. <laughs> like, you know, and it, and it takes up a lot of time. Um, so what I found is that I have limited resources in terms of time right now. And um, the podcast, you know... It, even though I've like set it up so that it's very as easy as possible for me to do, it still takes time. And yeah. it's still like I'm editing every weekend. Editing takes you know, a long time. It takes a long time. And I'm like a perfectionist, so I want it to be good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so what I realized was, you know, if I'm editing every weekend, I can't I I'm I it's the editing is stopping me from thinking about and digesting and yeah. and, and I also like whenever I'm trying to write songs. I, I believe strongly in the ability to be bored and yeah. like how creativity comes from boredom. Mm-hmm. And like, if I'm filling up all my time with all this stuff, which I tend to do, that's mm-hmm. like my MO, um, I, I won't be as creative. So yeah. I'm trying to like, I, right now I'm working on a big project. I am working with my friend, Jeff, who's an incredible local guitar player. Him and I have been, he went to MI musician Institute with yeah. me. Um, he was in the band, please not fight with me. And, um, he uh, does a ton of great production work and stuff. And him and I are working on a project. I, I've been posting on social media about it and calling it Top Secret. Um, uh, and partially it's because I'm trying to, like, be coy and, like, drive sure. interest. Sure. But the other part of it is that it's sort of hard to explain. So it's just easier to not explain it. Sure. Um, but the short of it is, is it's, it's basically like uh, I'm writing a musical. Nice. So we're like a, like a thematic. Yeah, there's like a, a stage show. Sure. Oh wow. Yeah. So That's amazing. Yeah, and so I I don't want to get too deep into it, but um, there's yeah songwriting, but there's also like how are we going to perform this? How are we going to stage it? Like, cool. are there other elements that happen in between the songs that are not just musical? Yeah. Um, 
Like I have to write a script for it. Yeah. Um, and all of this stuff. That's so great, um, it's really like exciting. Multiple elements. Yeah. Like where you have to bring them all together. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I'm really excited about it. Actually, we've we've been making a lot of really good progress, and um, uh, yeah, it's going to be really fun. Awesome, man. And actually, related to it, I, yep. I have. Can can we can I flip this around for a sec? Sure. Um, I have a couple questions. Wait, my beer is empty. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we have to get refills. I'm I'm, I'm just going to pull up a Google Doc. So yeah, let me give you a little context here. <laughs> Context, please. Here's the context. So, <laughs> I mean, my context is tacos. <laughs> yeah, great context. By the way, we eat and talk. I love it. So here's here's my context: is that um, uh, maybe two years ago, I, I posted on Facebook and was like, "Hey, I have this theory. Hmm. My theory is that there's a whole audience of people that want to go see live music, mm-hmm. like who who are excited to see live music and don't go because it's kind of a shitty experience." Yeah. And I say that loving going and seeing same, live music. Same, but I get it. And, and, but it's not for everyone. And it's the way, like, especially the rock concert format. Yep. It was, like, invented back in, like, the 50s, 60s. And yep. it basically hasn't changed at all since then. Right, right. Um, whereas if you go see theater or you go see comedy, mm-hmm. you can, ex- you, there are so many different ways to experience those art forms. Yep. But with music, it's basically like, okay. I'm going to show up really early. Yep. Um, there's going to be six bands. Right. Um, I'm going to be there really late. I'm going to have to stand the whole time. Yep. Drinks are overpriced. Yep. Everyone's drunk. People are going to talk over the music, <laughs> which no other happens with no other art form. Right, like right. any other art form, it's like, shut up. The <laughs> art is happening. Right. But with music, it's like totally acceptable yeah, for yeah, everyone yeah. to just be like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, and there's totally a place for that format. Yeah. But it's sometimes feels to me mm-hmm. like it is the only format available. Yeah. Um, and so I posted on Facebook being like, hey, everyone, I feel like going to see live music kind of sucks. I'm curious. Yeah. Who out there would like to go to see live music but doesn't? Right. And a lot of people were smiling. I got like 100 responses from people wow. being like, I would love to go see live music. Right. And I don't for XYZ reason. Um, and so I sort of like press and I basically like ended up making this spreadsheet of everyone's responses. Great. And, um, and, uh, Sam has his phone out right yeah, now. Yeah, I have my phone out. Sorry. Way, I'm, that you can't see it. <clears throat> I'm just pulling up my little, uh, let's see. Yeah, go for it. Live music. Let me pull this up here. Get my little spreadsheet. So yeah. What do you not like about live music data? Some of the top things people don't like about seeing live music. Go. Number one, other people. <laughs> which is hilarious yeah yeah because part of the fun is the community no no i agree and i i, I, I just, get it but but i get it and specifically i think people are talking about drunk people sure and and pe- and people just being kind of jerks uh number two lack of seating mm. number three music is too loud true. now it is too loud it's true it's too loud there's true and there's there are times where I want to go and just see the loudest as sure. fuck punk band. Sure. But there's other times where it's just too damn loud. Yep. Um, number four is people talking yep. during the show. Classic. Dude, my I went one of my favorite bands of all time is this band called The Weaker Lands. Okay. Um, and they did a uh, three night residency at the Independent. Nice. Where they did all three of their albums front to back. Excellent. Um, so all the people going to these shows, fans of the band. Yeah. You're only going to the show if you're like. Stoked for the weaker lands. Yeah. Um, and still, 
talk. During my favorite song, the yeah. quietest song, people just fucking talk to yeah. me the whole thing. Yeah. And I was like, phones. What I hate the phones. The fuck. I hate the iPads. Yeah. iPads. People filming something with an iPad yeah. up above their head. Right. What are you doing? And what are you doing? Um, I'm not going to read through all these. Another one is bad sound mix. I agree. Yeah. Usually it doesn't sound good, which great. is a big problem because well, it's. As a That's musician, the focal in a band, point. The places we play have the best sound. We right. You play all the clubs when you first start, and then you yeah. start migrating. You know, yeah. we love Bottom of the Hill because it has great sound. Love Bottom of the Hill. Amnesia has pretty good sound. Yeah. Hotel Utah, pretty good sound. So yeah, you start migrating to those places. <clears throat> yeah. So part of part of my this new project I'm working on is uh, coming from the desire to have. Uh, musical performance as a different format. Sure. Because I have, I just have this idea that like, hey, let's try, like I wish people who are making music would get a little more creative with like, and think beyond just like their set yep. and more into like the whole experience the audience is having. Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons I started the house show show. Yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, that feels one, like it's up that alley. Yeah, and it's one of the reasons I love like So Far Sounds is something I think is a really cool thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, those are cool little house shows they do yeah yeah exactly um so i have um some questions i would like to ask you related I'm, to this subject. i'm here and the mics are on okay great perfect oh i didn't even notice here they are okay <laughs> before you uh start with the questions yeah uh this is gonna sound like a plug plug away a lot of what you're saying uh we're doing a album release show awesome and i was you know i was talking to bottom of the hill I was talking to uh, Hotel Utah. Yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute. I think I want to do this during happy hour. And I think I want to do it somewhere where people that don't normally go to clubs will want to go. Yeah. But that still has live music. Yes. So we're doing it at Blondie's. Oh, I love it. Have you been to Blondie's? I haven't. It's They've oh, had wait. a little yeah, stage on the side. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. But the music is In the kind mission. of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's on like 16th and uh, Valencia. Yep. Uh, they usually have jazz. But I messaged uh, Nikki, the booker there, and I said, like, here's the thing. We want it to be a party. We want to do it between, like, 6 and 8. And we're only going to play for, like, 45 minutes. And she was like, yeah, totally. Come do it. So it's a Friday, and it's a happy hour. Oh, and by the way, my band is playing. That's amazing. So the celebration is, here's the record. Yeah. So I'm exactly what you're saying. I was trying to yep. think, like, yep. how do we do this where it's a little less... A little more the music fun. Kind of almost snuck in on you. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It snuck in on the moment instead of. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No. Well, you're but you're pay a ten dollar cover. Well, no. But the difference is, is you are catering, you're curating yeah. an entire experience right. rather than just being like, well, I've yeah. got this forty five minute time slot. So you show up, see what Yeah. Exactly. And 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 you know, part of the it's I, I don't want to put all the pressure on. I don't want to just be like. Seeming like I'm shit talking musicians because actually yeah. I think the venues are mostly to blame. Yeah, for sure. Like it's just like, oh, let me cram six bands on this bill. Yeah. It's like, why don't you do the thing comedians, com- comedy clubs do where you have three shows in a night yep. and each show's like two hours long? Yeah. Like, and get bands that are relevant and work together. Yep. Like, you could create curate it. Yes. <laughs> actually curate it. Yes. Well, that's the best clubs. That's what they do. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, but that sounds awesome. I love hearing about. Yeah, stuff so like I, that. I mean, the, I, exactly what you're thinking. Yeah. I'm like, I want people to come. I want them to have a good time. Yeah, and I don't want to feel any pressure. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. You have some questions. I got some questions. Okay, so here's question number one for you. Question Greg. number one: What do you dislike about seeing live music? What do I dislike? dislike? Now it's hard because you're a musician. I know you love live music. About seeing but what live do you music. dislike? I am gonna go with the time. Ooh, tell Usually, me more. 
most concerts or shows of bands that I would like to see are, well, five times out of seven on a weeknight. Yeah. And they're not going on until 10 or 11. And I count my own band into that. Yeah. Like, I don't even want to do those shows. Anymore. Yeah. So I would say, for me, that's number one. You know what's funny is the last person I interviewed said exactly the same thing. And she she even said, she was like, you know, she said, I went to see a band recently and they didn't go on until 1 a.m. Which is, that's not acceptable. No, that's the next day. <laughs> yeah, the next day. yeah. You lied to me. <laughs> but then also, like, she also, the other thing that frustrated her, her was that set times are rarely shared. Yeah. And often are inaccurate. Yep. And bands do that on purpose, yep. even. Like, band, I'll be, I mean, I'll do it. Yep. I'll be we'll like, do it. come I, eight and we'll play at nine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not really fair. Like, it's, it would be way better if we just were like, hey, this is we're playing. Um, and um, and also, they start so late. Like, yeah. why start at nine? Like, I would love if there were shows that started at six. Happy hour Because shows. I get off work at five. Happy hour I shows. could go to the show, be there till nine, go home. Between this Blondie's thing and the question, I'm going to shoot for having only happy hour shows. Yeah. For the foreseeable future. Dude. Unless it's a Friday, Saturday. It would be so great to start a concert series happy called hour Happy concerts. Hour. Happy Hour. Oh, my God. Dude, the, the idea was launched. It was here happening it right is. here. We'll talk uh, off mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great idea. That's actually a legit <laughs> a good idea. Get yeah. <laughs> a drink special in there. Okay, so that's okay. number That's number question one. Question two. Okay, question two. I'm ready. <clears throat> what are the worst concerts you've seen and why? What are the worst concerts I've seen and why? Um, I'm trying to think of a bad concert I've seen recently. Okay. Uh, it's hard because I'm very particular. Yeah. I, I curate my own experience. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I love to curate your own experience. That's good. I think, uh, hmm. I think uh, there's something about, oh, I have one. Uh, I went and saw a band and they were a big band. I can't remember which band it was at this point, but they played a very short set and it was all new stuff, new stuff. Whereas the reason I went to see them was because I liked all their old stuff mm. and they just didn't play any of that. Yeah. Uh, it was some band that's been around a while. I wish I could remember who, but I remember walking away being like, it was fine. Yeah. And I was in the room with those guys, uh, but I didn't hear, didn't really hear much of what I wanted to. I'll flip that and say playing too long I went and saw Built to Spill a few years ago. Love Built to Spill. Me too, on record. But I went and saw them, and they were in one of those modes of every song was Cortez the Killer Mm. for 12 to 20 minutes. And I wasn't on the right drugs. (laughs) You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this isn't my moment. Yeah. Um, So I think maybe, I guess that would all fit around expectations. That's on the list, by the way. Jamming too long is actually one of, yeah. I went and saw Blues Traveler once. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, every single song has a seven-minute harmonica solo. Yeah. Every single one. No and it's like, by the third harmonica solo, like, the first time you're like, sick. Yeah. Third harmonica solo, you're like, okay. Yeah. Okay. This yeah. is self-indulgence. Yeah, and you know, this, uh, not to go off on a tangent a little bit, but when bands started doing, like, performing uh, uh, Bossa Nova, the Pixies, you know? Yeah. When bands started doing that thing, or, like, the Weaker Thans doing each one of their records, at first I was way against it. Mm. I was way against it. Because I'm like... I don't want to quite know what I'm going to go yeah. see, uh, but I kind of get it, you know? I, well, I think it, I I like it, and I, I like it because it is in line with the thing I'm talking about, which right. is provide things in different formats. Right. Like, it was awesome because I was like, 
I want to see that record played. Right. And I know they're going to play deep cuts off the record right. that they wouldn't that play they otherwise. Play and yeah. I get that. I Which get is that. amazing. Yeah. You know, so. I'll yeah. tell you who's been doing it really well is, I don't know if you're a Nine Inch Nails fan. I'm an unabashed Trent Reznor. I, I, I am an uh, appreciator from afar. I, I think because, <laughs> I, I will tell you, he grew up about 20 miles away from me. Yeah. We're almost the same age. Like, there's a lot of, I could go on and on. I could have a whole podcast about him. Yeah. But he, on this tour, he has been like, doing this really interesting thing where like every once in a while he'll play like like all of broken like this mm. the ep everyone loves or he'll do like these weird deep cuts so he's kept it really interesting and he in one of the interviews he's like yeah everyone like looks up the set list the next day and how boring is that to like go into a concert knowing exactly what yeah. you're going to get so i think he's trying to ride the line between familiar and unexpected yeah, yeah. which i think in you know that's especially someone at that stature like that's super interesting, and it makes you I want agree. to see someone that's been around for 25 years again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Anyway. Yeah, totally. There's my tangent. It was a good tangent. Tangent. <laughs> my tangent. All right, I got another song. I got another song. I got another, another, I got another question for you. Is what, we're going to do one more. We're going to do one more. <laughs> um, uh, here, we'll say this. I actually have a, a I'm, I'm going to do, we're going to do three more. Okay. Okay, you ready? Here's uh, question number three. Three. Yeah. Um, when you go to a show. Yes. Does it matter to you if people are playing instruments? Does it matter if all the sounds you're hearing are not all being performed live? Great question. Uh, I went through a phase where if I heard anything yep. that was not, I could not identify where it was coming from, I was angry. Same. I think it happened like at a YouTube concert in like 97. Yep. And there's like whatever going on. It was on. so unacceptable and for I'm a like, while. Especially There's for no rock keyboard bands. keyboard player, you know, or <laughs> yeah. whatever. I think I'm over that a little bit. There is a fine line between live performance and it's all canned. Great example, I went and saw ZZ Top for the first time, one of my favorite bands. Whoa. But I just saw them last year. They played uh, up on Market Street, whatever the name of that place is. And it was very clear that most the Warfield? of Warfield? Warfield. Yeah. But most of that set was not live. Got it. Or it was heavily, like, he had auto-tune on, or everything felt. Like, there were moments where the bass player was not moving his fingers, and the bass line was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was very canned. And, and but the sound was perfect, and I'm in the room with these three dudes that mean a lot to me. Yeah. Um. So, is it a bit of a nostalgia act? Yes. Is it live? Not really. Have they earned that right? Probably. You know, I went through all of that. So let me ask you just a follow-up to that one, yeah. which is why has your opinion changed, do you think? Because I feel the same way, and I think probably that's probably true for most people. Because yeah. I think there was a period where it was really unacceptable, and now I think even with rock bands, if yeah. you go and see them and there's like, you know, it's one thing if it's everything, but if you hear, like, if there's a little bit of synthesizer or a little, yeah. like, I don't think people care anymore. Um yeah. What, what what about what changed for you that made you stop? I, I think stop? At, at the end of the day, my friend says this really well, and I'm going to paraphrase him. He says, no one cares how it's made. They just care how they feel. Hmm. So if I'm feeling good and I'm having a good time, I have to push that artistic part of me. Hmm. Like I look at the person next to me and they're like, this is the greatest show ever. And I'm like, there is no female backing vocalist on that stage. You know, I could go down that road. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but but why? You right. know, like... Yeah. So, I don't know if that's a real answer, but... It's good. No. And maybe it's because it's acceptable to spend, you know, $100 to see a guy stand in front of a computer now. 
Yeah. You know, like maybe that's, we've gone that far that even if there is a guitar up there, you're like, well, somebody's hitting something. <laughs> there's some sort of physical contact yeah. happening. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Word. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I have a lot to say about that, but I don't want to like, I don't want to, I want to go to the next question. Yeah, whatever. So, yeah. um, but that was Good. a great answer. Um, okay. Here's my question number four. Um, how has the profession of being a musician changed in your lifetime? Mm, wow. That's great. That's a great question. Um, so I, I was in bands when Nirvana was a band. Yeah. And that to me was the last great, uh, everyone was in a three piece band. Yes. And every label put out a three piece <sighs> band, one hit wonder that sounded like Nirvana to the point now where I was in a store, I was at Ace Hardware in Laurel Valley the other day, Laurel Heights. And this song came on by, I'm going to sing it for you. It goes, yeah, it was it was one of those Nirvana clone bands. Oh yeah, but I'm listening to the song 20 years you, later. You know it's from the 90s because you went. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm listening to the song 20 years later, and I'm like, I'm like, literally, like, this is exactly like they sat down and ripped off like all apologies. Right. Like I can hear exactly what they did, but somehow. I'm okay with it now. I wasn't okay with it then. Because they probably didn't, probably what happened was the record label was like, we need to find every band that looks, sounds like Nirvana. Oh, and write a Nirvana song. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You write a Nirvana song. Yeah, yeah, Or that band, uh, I, I was, I played this song on the guitar today by accident, Santa Monica by Everclear. Yeah. Do you remember that song? Oh, yeah. Girls still with you. I girls. still maintain that so much from the Afterglow is an underrated album. It still holds up. I, you're, you're one of the, <laughs> you're not the only defender of that record. Again, time period hated it. Now I listen to it, I'm like, hey, this isn't this isn't too bad. See, I liked it during the time period, so that may have been the, it's, it's <laughs> the, the of, difference. But it's also like how bad things have gotten that yeah. I'm like, hey, that 311 song's pretty good. You know what I mean? Like I can't I can't have revisionist feelings because you're almost like it's like like, hey, everyone's like, hey, George W. Bush wasn't a bad president. Right. You know what I mean? It's like in context, you're like, this is the worst. And then you're like, oh, it got it got even worse. Yeah. Um so what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> I liked that though. That's a really Sorry. excellent point. How did how did music how has it changed? How that? has the profession of being a musician changed in your lifetime? I think uh maybe because of my upbringing, I never felt the need to try to make it. I know we talked about making it earlier. Um and when I was in Pittsburgh in the 90s, there were bands that were getting signed to major labels and everyone was talking about we're going to be there next Seattle because that Seattle had just happened early early 1990s. Yep. And everyone was like saying that Pittsburgh was going to be the next on the map. And I just remember thinking how uninteresting that was. Because at some point, uh, you're kind of chasing after this thing that probably never really existed in the first place. Mm. Uh, it's something that you think exists. Mm. So I think people that I still see and respect that are from that time period. And I'll talk about a very specific band, uh, Shellac which is uh, Steve Albini's band, Steve Albini, an uh, audio engineer okay, yeah. that I got the chance to work with in 2012, 2011. Cool. Um, they have never changed. They have, talk about having day jobs, all three of them, you know, don't call themselves a band. Right. Uh, but yet, I went and saw them at Great American Music Hall, and it was, I think it was sold out, uh, and everyone was singing along to every word, and, you know, their record came out, like, the year before Nevermind. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. On some level, the writing's always been on the wall that if you're going to 
Hmm. Be a musician. This thing you thought it was probably doesn't really exist. It's, it was an inflated bubble. And, and if you look at the history of pop music, and I'm going to call pop music like anything that was sent out on the radio yeah. that was payola, anything like yeah. that, none of those people probably before or since really did a lot of music. They were these one-hit wonder people came and went. But the bands that are still like kind of around, they, they just stuck to it and they mm-hmm. worked at it. So I think like any craft, if you just keep doing it, you will get a reward. I don't know if it's going to be financial. Right. Uh, I certainly have never seen a lot. I mean, I've had songs on television that I still get checks for. I've, I've uh, yeah. had, you know, I've been given money for movies and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, I've never been in that sphere of touring full time. Right. Or going on like a cruise ship. So I look at it like, I think it was a false thing. Like it was a false thing in the nineties mm. to think if you just did the work, you're going to be the bare naked ladies. Like, I just don't, I think that was false. I don't. First concert I ever went to, by the way. <laughs> it's been. I saw them. Dude, they, they, they are talented dudes. Very good live. They are very funny. Canadian. Yeah, which is why they're funny, I think. Yeah, very good live. Yeah, very I good wanted life. to hate them. I was a music writer at the time. I wrote a nice yeah. review. Um, but yeah, I think what's changed is, um, again, I think it's audience. Like, mm. You have to, I don't make music with the intention of, like, maybe no one will ever hear this. I mean, I still put it out. Mm -hmm. I still hand it to people. People stream it. People buy a record now and again. Um, But it's, I just, I do it more for myself. Interesting. So, okay, wait, I want to, I want to, so you. There's a lot to uncover here that we could talk about a long time, probably. Yeah, yeah. Let let me just, so just one thing I want to just, I'm curious. So you're, to summarize. Yeah. And I think this is a great point. You feel you feel like the whole idea of like you put the work in, you you are potentially going to be famous and make quote unquote make it is is was never a thing that right. was guaranteed. No, um, uh, and you don't feel like that's changed in, since you're like you don't think I, you feel like it's as now as it was then. I think that the idea. This is gonna okay. I'll go. I'll go where I'm thinking of going. Do it. Music's always been free. Like mm. I can sing walking down the street. And you can listen to it if you're nearby. Mm-hmm. I think the entire idea of commerce around music was created. Um, you know, it, as recorded music happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, people used to go to church every week and sing. People would, there'd be a band there. Mm. There's an organ player. There's like whatever. Mm. Like, I don't think that, I think the idea of where you and I grew up, which was the Beatles and like all these other things that happened after that. Mm-hmm. That was all, yeah, that was an industry. And that industry, uh, there's emotion that comes about because of that industry. Mm. But that industry doesn't exist to support more of it. It just existed for itself. Mm. And I also think when we're talking about, like, content and having all these different channels now, it, it seems like, it'll seem like you and I, that, like, there's too much shit and no one pays attention. But there's kind of, like, a real relief to me. In, in that because I'm not sitting in a room thinking like oh um, maybe we can get someone to pay attention to us to give us money to do this thing because as soon as that happens the reasons you're doing it they flip yeah right like yeah and I, I mean it happened to me I made a record and it did well my first like record in like 2002 and by did well I mean I made money off of it yeah and then the next record I had like two people in LA that wanted to hear stuff and they're like hey can you make it a little more weasery and 
had all this shit going through my head making that record because I'm yeah. like, oh shit, if I can get these songs and yeah. give them to them, they'll be on television and movies and stuff like that. And I hate that record now. Like I listen yeah. to it, I'm like, every one of these songs, I was trying to do this other thing. Yeah. So I think what you're getting at, which is really interesting, is um, there's like. First off, you need to get a really cool motorcycle and just <laughs> peel out. Just peel out all over Motorcycles the Motorcycles in the inner Richmond <laughs> love to ride down Cabrillo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, the thing that you're getting at is that I think is really interesting is there's no way to make mu- music or actually any art right. in the context of an industry and have it remain pure. Yep. It's impo- literally impossible. Yep. And that's why and, people and, pay for it. And, people pay for the purity. And if you are someone who's like, I want to make a bunch of money and be famous playing music, you at some point are going to have to sell your soul to do that. Right. I or, mean, which is okay. Like, I think it's fine if you're that person who totally. wants to do that. Yeah. Um, but there, I th- the idea of like holding on to the purity of me, this is the problem I have, is I, you know, when I first went to LA, I was like, I guess I'm going to have to let go of that. I'm, because I, and I think that's real. Like, I yeah. think if you really are someone who's like, I want to be the lead singer of Weezer, right. you're like, I'm going to have to compromise. Right. I have to. Right. Um, and I can't. <laughs> right. Which is what I discovered. And that's why I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do it for me now. Um, but yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, but the other side of that is like, you could be RuPaul, right? Right. And you're this whole other thing. You're this right. whole other persona. You know that exists in music too. Right. You can you can be unabashedly yourself and hope that people like it. Right. For sure. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. It's yeah. not. It's not. But I do think if you're like going into it like, oh, I am gonna try to make it. Especially there's there's just a point where you do have where you're right. There's no way for it to remain pure. Uh, and I don't yeah purity or whatever like you're still picking up a guitar and playing a song and yeah and that's beautiful that's its own thing. agreed yeah and I'm not trying to shit on people who are no, like totally. in the industry or anything but like I mean that. my God like I think about like I was I was a writer uh, for the Pittsburgh paper the city paper yeah. and I was the music columnist for like two years yeah and you get these you know, you get these local CDs from bands and it yeah. would be like oh this is they're trying to be everclear yep or this is they're trying to be puddle of mud yeah. you know what i mean you could call every band that these bands were trying to be yeah and then when you did get something that was its own thing you're like okay this is really good because this person either lives in a vacuum or listens to all that shit and it's going into this thing that's completely different yeah like beck that's why i love beck i love beck, beck. is the cultural sponge the guy yeah, listens to everything that's ever come out and he puts out new stuff even his new record which i hated i went and saw him live and all those new songs are spot on they're yeah. modern like, he's doing yeah. that color song, and I'm like, this is terrible. And I go see him, I'm like, okay, this is brilliant. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's that yeah. far ahead of me on, like, yeah. knowing what I'm going to like in, like, six months. Yeah. You know, which is yeah. incredible. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. I mean, I love artists like that who reinvent themselves every record, basically. Yeah. Love that. But you can put on any Beck song, and you're like, that's Beck. Oh, yeah. Even though it sounds just like a Brazil record or yeah. a pop record. you're right. Or, yeah. What's your favorite Beck record? The Information. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I new love, one. Uh, newer, I think it came out like 08. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I think, just top to bottom. It's yeah. just, it's a, it's an immersive record. Interesting. How about you? Midnight Vultures. See, that's the one I never got. I, it's, I didn't at first either because it's so out there. Yeah. But, I, and I, but it's, it's just like, I'm going to do a ridiculous 70s my funk prince, record. Yeah, my prince 70s. And I fucking love, it's so silly. Yeah. 
and I just, I just, it, but it's unabashedly silly. <laughs> I, I should probably revisit it. You have to go now. into it understanding how tongue in cheek the whole thing is. Yeah, I think. And well, it's I saw so it for the first great. time on that tour. Yeah, which weirdly, um, oh god, who opened for him? I'm gonna the guy, the guy that died in the Northwest that everyone loves. Oh, Elliot Smith. Elliot Smith. Oh my for him. god. And it was the drummer from Sleater Kinney. Was the drummer. <gasps> I forget who was on bass, but Elliot Smith came on and it was, it was at a, it was in Pittsburgh at this amphitheater. Yeah. And he comes on and he's doing his set and it's just a bunch of drunk, hick people waiting oh, yeah. to hear Loser. Right. And I'm just sitting there like, this guy's a real artist. And oh yeah. These, none of these people know Elliot it. Smith is amazing. Like they don't know it. Yeah. And then Beck came on and it was just like his, it was a schlocky tour. Where he schlocky funk and, thing. And yeah. yeah. So anyway, I will, I will revisit that. My second favorite is Sea Change. We're, yeah. Sea Change. Love that record. Weirdly, I was in New York post 9-11, and that was like, that was the Brooklyn record. Well, that was when I got into it, actually. It, it was, was the Brooklyn, right after 9-11, it yeah. It was the Brook, like every bar in Brooklyn, like you'd walk yeah. in and you'd hear, So good. Ah, love that. I contend that the drums are programmed on that record. Next time you listen to it, I want you to listen to it and see what you think. That would make, I mean, that would make some sense, because he does mostly produce his own stuff and use loops and stuff. And it's so well done yeah, yeah. that you wouldn't think about it. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But that's a great record. Amazing. I like the Morning Phase one, which was kind of like a sequel to that that came out a couple years ago. Yep. I thought that was really good, too. He's good. All right, one more question for you. <laughs> I know we've... The Beck tangent. We've talked for about a billion hours, you know but what? I have one more question. Four or five people might listen to the end, and that's... <laughs> those are the four or five people that count right now. Um, okay, here we go. Let me think. Um... Okay, here it is. Last question. When you're making a record or putting on a show, how much are you thinking about the audience or the listener? Great question. Uh, can I can I split this into two questions? Yeah. Just so you know, my list of questions is I have, like, questions for non-musicians and questions for musicians. Got it. You're the first musician I've gotten to ask my music Excellent. questions well, to. This I, is I very, feel honored. This is very exciting. Thank Go you. Go on. Uh, having just made a record... Uh, I'm going to go with, I don't care about the audience. Um, I had a few people in mind, so you can count them as audience. Yeah. You know, but not, I don't think about like some general, what are they going to like? You're making it for you. Yeah. Well, it's for me, but then there's a few people that Mm -hmm. it's for them too, whether they know it or not. Interesting. Um, and I think I'm that way most of the time. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. My follow up to that is, do you think that's always been the case? No. What changed? I think I've just done a lot of stuff and I, the stuff that I've done that I haven't uh, put that pressure on myself is now, I mean, I've 15 years. Yeah. Like I listen to that stuff and I just don't, it doesn't resonate with me. Mm. You know, it's not, whereas some of it does, some of it's like, Oh, this is a story of me during that time period. It's my journal. It's my Mm. emo journal. Oh yeah. Remember that girl or remember that, that, that boss I was angry at. I wrote this stupid song. (laughs) Um, <laughs> that's, yeah, but I yeah. think some of that's just evolution you know you're you're an artist and you're writing you just you keep writing and like you just change yeah uh, I want to go back though because I am the opposite about live shows live shows ah. I try to think about the audience as much as I can yeah I think that's the right way to do it by the way yeah I agree with you even if, I mean I'm doing my stuff yeah but I'm trying to interact on some level um, which is hard when you do a set list up front and then you're like, okay, this audience just wants to party. I put the slow song second, you know, like, <laughs> yep. and I, I do, I really, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Jack White. Yeah. 
And he does, uh, he doesn't use a set list. Really? At all. So his band has Oh, he know, adapts based on the audience. His band has to know like 80 songs. Right. And he goes out, he calls them out in real time. And he bases oh, it on. Oh, he's, he's got a little bit of a, uh, uh. Fuck. Chuck Berry. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah. Chuck Berry vibe. But I, that's ideal. Or actually, it wasn't Chuck Berry singing of. It was, um, watched, uh. James Brown. James Brown, thank you. Two drummers. Yes. Points to the drummer. <laughs> yep. Yeah, right. there's, there's something to that. You know, that's that's being an, an, enter, an entertainer. Yeah. Where you're like, I really care. I mean, you know, you go see some bands and they're doing the same set night after night well, after night. Well, that's what I was about to say is you can tell when a band is playing a show for themselves. Where they're like, I mean, I feel that. I feel like the jam thing we were talking about where you see a band like every song is like a 20 minute jam. Yeah. You're like, this show is not for me. Yeah. The show is for the band. Yeah. Like, you know. And sometimes, again, right drugs, right night. Awesome. Right. Like, I saw the great Or you're that. a band that's, like, known for that. Like, right. Fish. Fish. It's like, okay, the every, the audience is here because they know. Um, but, I'll yeah. tell you, a band I saw unexpectedly, because my friend is fan, a fan of theirs, My Morning Jacket. Are you familiar with that? Uh, yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. So we went, we were in Chicago a couple of years ago, and they just happened to be there. Yeah. And he's like, I love this band, we should go. And he's like, they're a little jammy. And we went, and it was a long show. It was, like, two and a half hours. I wasn't bored once. Nice. And they jam. But... There's a way they do it that's not like the fish jam. Yeah, yeah. There's no. a way they do it that I felt way more compelled to enjoy. Yeah. It. Whereas with fish, I'm like, all right, I'm, these drugs are wearing off, and I need a burrito. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was more of a background, I guess. But yeah. Anything else we should talk about? Like, dude, I, those are my questions. Thanks yeah. for answering them. They're Absolutely, great I like, answers. Same. Yeah. Um, anything we should plug? When's your project? When's When's Top Secret gonna launch? Um. It's top secret. I can't talk about it. Um, no, it, honestly, it probably or won't. Are you not setting a deadline? No deadline. It probably Great. won't be till late 2019. It's a ways off. But, what, I mean, what I'll plug is my show, The House Show Show. Yeah. Check it out. It's at thehouseshowshow.com. Yeah. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. Um, if you search, if you aren't sure how to spell it, just <laughs> maybe try my name, Zenith. That'll also bring it up. Uh, but, yeah, I'd love to, get, love to hear from anyone who's listening and, and liking it. Awesome, dude. Great tacos. Great tacos. Great tacoing. Great tacoing. Yeah. To each other. I did a bad job on that. Do you ever? Do you ever think about um, getting Taco Bell and calling the episode "Let's Taco Bell"? Tits? <laughs> <laughs> I did one episode at the Taco Bell in Pacifica. Okay, there you with, go. Uh, Lonnie. And, That's awesome. Uh, I should have talked that. I should have changed the music. I... <laughs> Damn it! Sorry. Yeah, I need a partner. Sorry, you do. Well, thanks, brother. I appreciate. it. Dude, so fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Zen. Thank you, listener. www.earhopper.com You can check us out on YouTube. There's a trailer for this very episode. You can see the tacos we ate at the taco shop in the inner sunset of San Francisco. Like us. Write a review on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. I think we'll be on Spotify soon. I'm not sure. Peace.